Hello, this is Dominique Bomante, your host, and this is episode 15 of your favorite podcast, Season with Salt. I hope you enjoy it. This episode, I have a special guest with me, April White, and she and I will be discussing, deconstructing the story of Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi within the context of advising, mentoring, encouraging, engaging in discourse with Christian singles. So hopefully you enjoy it, and I hope to talk to you soon. So there are a lot, there are a lot of biblical narratives that um, depending on how you were raised, like you have probably not taken the time to deconstruct. And I think it's really important because sometimes we preach things that we, because we're being eisegetical and we want to connect the Bible to, to, to common day life, but we can sometimes do those out of context. And one of the most misused texts in the Bible um, is centered around the life and happenings of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. Today, I have a special guest with me, um, a person who um, is a Bible scholar in her own right, although, um, and she is very reluctant to participate in activities like this because she feels like her voice is not um, suitable for uh, recording, but we have to disagree. Um, but I'm happy that she's agreed to um, have this conversation with me. So for those of you who are familiar with the Book of Ruth, it is um, the story um, of um, a woman by the name of Naomi who loses both of her sons and her husband, um, and she becomes a widow, um, and the book opens by her giving her two daughters-in-law the choice to return to their native land or um, follow her. Well, not really so much the choice to follow her, but the, the choice to return to their native land. It is Ruth, her daughter Ruth, that says no. Um, it's my um, goal to go wherever it is um, that you go. Um, the number one misconception about the book of Ruth, from my perspective, uh, is that people think that it's a love story about Ruth and Boaz. Or they might um, consider it to be a narrative about caring for widows. Or they might consider it to be a narrative about family and um, family sticking together. Um, however, there are a lot of subplots and ultimately the book of Ruth is about the redemptive father and Jesus Christ. Um, however, the um, life and times of Ruth have entered into the context of pretty much all singles because you will hear people on a regular basis saying, Ruth better go get her Boaz. And people construct this narrative that Ruth like, is this eligible bachelorette and Boaz is this eligible bachelor and they're just gonna get together and they're gonna get married. I want my guest to chime in and tell us what's wrong with that narrative. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna first say that I would not normally do a podcast, but as I was reading this, 
after a conversation I had about singleness, it struck me as so interesting that the story that we use and tell ourselves um, has a little bit more detail and nuance. Okay. And I will also say that as a single woman in church, um, we don't get a lot of instruction about how to partner mm -hmm. with someone. And any biblical instruction generally points to this book. So when you're talking about all the functions and the messages and the themes coming out of Ruth, the primary one for single women is this is how you conduct yourself. You work in your field and you mind your business and you wait to be noticed mm -hmm. by a powerful man. And then we all celebrate when this powerful man, this Boaz shows up um, because he's our redeemer. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's going to cover us, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so that's to start off. Now, what was your question? Okay, yes, <laughs> no, I appreciate you, you you opening up with that. So like the way, so first of all, I like a lot of things in like popular Christendom, like they are like point toward the women, like, you know, there are scriptures about being modest, but women need to be modest. There are scriptures about like, you know, he that finds the wife finds a good, good thing. And usually that scripture is pointed towards um, women. Like and they're saying, you know, don't go out looking for a man, wait. And so the, it creates a lot of uncertainty about um, like how we interact is a sort of like, you're waiting for me. Like I'll wait for you. Like and Right, and I'm, that's I think that's the problem with that scripture because it isn't an instruction to the woman. Mm -hmm. It's an instruction to a man. It's a and proverb. It's a it's it's a, it's, a it's, a, it's a best practice. It's a, <laughs> it's a best practice. Right? And but we we from that scripture, we glean from that, okay, well if he that findeth the wife, that means me as a woman, I need to somehow be in a position to be found. I need to hide myself. We we glean that instruction when it's actually not there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. That, yeah. We do glean that, and we we glean that instruction. And I think regularly it also sets up this mindset that like, so the Bible um, creates this. The the man is um, supposed to be the initiator. Um, the Bible sets the platform that a woman is the weaker vessel. Um, she comes from the rib of Adam. And so there is like some opportunity to promote the idea that men need to step out and they need to start like, like life, you know, by, you know, looking to be the husband of one wife, looking to be responsible for a family. The problem is with the narrative with Ruth and Boaz is that it's actually the opposite. Right. Right? Like who who takes the initiative in this scenario? Right, right. So should we walk through the story? Uh-huh. Okay. So you gave the background. So now we are Naomi and Ruth are in Naomi's homeland. Mm -hmm. And Naomi has a relative, Boaz, mm -hmm. who has some land. Mm -hmm. And he has some people working on the land to gather up the crops. I believe mm -hmm. it's wheat or barley. Mm -hmm. And so Naomi instructs Ruth, go gather these crops because we need to eat. Mm -hmm. And so Ruth then goes into these fields. She's gathering the crops. Uh, she's working side by side mm -hmm. with Boaz's servants mm -hmm. or the people that work for him. Mm -hmm. And he hears her story and is impressed by 
how dedicated she is, her mm-hmm. faithfulness. So that part we can all agree on, mm-hmm. right? I believe that he was impressed by that and he the 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 deeds that he did and the favor that he gave her was more charitable. Yeah, there's no reason to infer that like he was looking at her with her eyes. Right. Like there's no right. there's no reason to infer that. It's like if if you're at work and you're and you're a woman and your manager is a man and he notices your work ethic like that you're not going to get married. Like right. just recognizing the work that you do to contribute. Now, it, undoubtedly, because of the age difference, like there might there might be some room to infer that this beautiful forty year old woman, like you know, is a hard worker and she looks good. Like right, right, but it, but it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't. I'm pursuing you romantically. That would be a reach. Yes, the reach. <laughs> that would be a reach, reach. and we've been re- making that reach. <laughs> oh, um. So then, what happens is he gives her all of this barley to take home, or this wheat to take home that day. And when Ruth shares that with Naomi, Naomi's like, "Oh, okay. So he's generous. He likes you." Naomi puts that in words. (laughs) He must like you. He likes you. So here's what you do. And she gave her very specific instructions of how how to act the next day when they were uh, gathering the harvest. And yes. Yes. And they were on the threshing floor, which is separating the, the wheat from the other plants. Okay, we're on the threshing floor. Okay, we're on the threshing floor. So Ruth's instructions were to go discreetly, mm-hmm. wait till he's eaten and drank, maybe wine, maybe not. And when he goes to go to sleep, and he's still out on the threshing floor, so he hasn't gone home. When he goes to go to sleep, uncover his feet and lay down at his feet. Mm-hmm. Now we don't know exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna infer anything. Mm-hmm. So she lays there and then when he wakes up, he's startled and he's like, who is this? Mm -hmm, Who are you? mm -hmm. What are you doing? And this is the part that when I read this, I was like, oh. So verse nine, he says, this is Ruth chapter three, verse nine. And he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid for thou art a near kinsman. So this spread forth your skirt. She's not asking him just to cover her with a blanket. Mm -hmm. She's asking him to take her as a wife Mm -hmm. because then what would the, for thou art a near kinsman, what would that have to do with anything if she was just asking him to cover Mm -hmm. her with a blanket? Let me just throw in something too, because I think that sometimes this narrative goes undiscussed too. This whole thing is curated by this emotional response, and there's a big picture view from the perspective of Naomi, right? right. And like, and I think like, who's who? Like, we all man, man woman, 
we all have a Naomi in our life that's like, ooh, you should say hi to her. Like, ooh, you should lock up to her. Ooh, right. you should like, like, there is this, and, and, and right. women tend to be more engaged in that than men, but like, you know, but my old church mothers want you to get married too. And they can have a Naomi spirit, like, okay, here's what you do next. And it's just right. like, we're oh, gonna oh, come oh, in like, our corner, we're gonna plot your action right, steps. Right, and we're gonna plot your action steps, and, and I'm gonna give you this trade secret, I don't know if this is gonna work, but this is what you need to do. And I think that, so that, that's one piece. The second piece here is that it deconstructs the idea of who takes initiative. Right. Right? Like when right. you are both aware of the, like, it wasn't that Boaz was unaware of the, the policies and procedures and, and, and covenants and rules associated with Jewish life. He knew all this. Right. Like he could have, the, the role could have been reversed. He could have been like, I'm gonna get drunk. You look good. You're gonna come under on Meet my feet. Meet me at my threshing Meet floor. Meet me at my threshing floor and, and, and the rest is gonna be history. But it's Naomi who curates this and she tells, and, and a part of it is like Naomi being like, oh, we gotta survive. Exactly. Right, like exactly. we gotta live and like, I want a grandbaby. Right? Right. <laughs> right. Just be real. Naomi's be wanting a grandbaby and they get real strategic. They when really the opportunity do. presents itself. They really do. And I'm going to support what you were saying because if you, so then his response is essentially he says, wow, you'd be interested in an old guy like me? You uh -huh. wouldn't be interested in a younger man? In other words, I had never even thought about this. It just didn't seem like the right thing. Like I just right. never. It didn't, I didn't think, I didn't consider. Mm -hmm. I just thought you were a hard worker. Yeah, I, I wasn't trying to find you. Giving you some extra wheat. Right, right. You just look like you needed something. And then he says, in verse 11, he says, I will do all that thou requirest. Essentially, I'm going to do what you have asked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Again. You want to marry me. She you said, hey, can you be my covering? He said, all right, I'll okay. do that. Okay, okay. I guess, since you asked. <laughs> in other words, yes, I will accept your hand in marriage. <laughs> She got on one knee. She did get on one knee. She was by the feet. <laughs> she was on, She was laying down at his feet. So, and then from there, he goes and does all the work to make sure that he does it the correct way right. and everything is proper. And I think that's the part we focus on when we focus on finding my Boaz and my kinsman mm -hmm. redeemer cometh. Mm -hmm. Because he does have to go through these steps in order to secure this right. relationship. But I just... I mean, it's clear that she initiated the right. relationship part of it. And in context, like, you know, his work to be um, available and to be um, someone who could follow through on her proposal, right. it required like a some level of humiliation on her part. Right. Right. Like, does anybody else want to marry her? Right. I mean, like, right. like cause I gotta... and in fact, when he went to ask about it, he asked about, oh, we have this land. And the other person who was eligible for the land said, I'll take it. And then Boaz says, oh, but it comes with a wife, Ruth. And mm -hmm. then the other man said, oh, no, thank you. Mm -mm. So it is a level of humiliation. Right, right. Yeah. She cute now, but <laughs> right. I got what I got. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I got my own house. Right, right. 
you can you can go ahead and keep the land if it comes with her. Right. And so it's not that the 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 the, the Bible story has no reference. It's not right. that it has no valid validity. It's not that it's not a powerful story. Right. It's just that our context is generally that it's a love story because that's how it's presented. And it creates like this gender specific like you go get ready, you overdo it, lady. Right. You underdo it until she presents herself as as an interest. But it's like, you know, like what would it feel like to you, Miss April, um, to to have to be told like you got to do all the work up until the point where he decides that he's gonna marry you. I just, I reject that. Right. (laughs) As a woman, as a Christian woman, as a person with a measure of pride even. Right. I I reject that. Right. And the other thing I think that this leaves out is this idea that like, what what happens when the tables are turned? Because we don't talk about that. When the woman is a business owner, like right. when when the woman is the breadwinner, when the woman when when it's Boaz that is visit is working in the field, right? That 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 the that roof owns, right? How, how does then she conduct herself? Because that's the biggest takeaway for me is if this is supposed to be the template of how I'm supposed to conduct myself as a single woman who wants to be married. Exactly what you're saying. If yeah. I have my own fields. Right. How then do I conduct myself? Right, and so I gotta. It, 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 it's, and it's not really a negative, like thing to submit, but you know. So, I think the 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 invitation here is for us to first of all, number one, get to reconsider how we um, have been talking about singleness in the Christian community um, and what we define as gender roles um, and what is just something that we've kind of come up with because there are some opportunities for men to um, challenge like toxic masculinity, even in Christian relationships. Uh, and there are some opportunities for, you know, successful, um, brilliant women to submit. Um, but there is also like this false narrative that I think is perhaps one of the reasons why people aren't really in finding love because they're waiting for something to happen. And like relationships are work. And like somebody said that um, relationships aren't 50-50, they're 100-100. And in this case, because of the implications of the Kimmelson Redeemer and the the need for the lineage to continue so that Jesus could come and save us, like it was appropriate for this arranged marriage to take place. However, it is not going to be the narrative for every um, relationship, and, and it is not going to be the narrative for every, um, you know, strategy to build and develop uh, relationships. And so, like whatever your Christian narrative is, or whatever your context is, like consider which false narratives have been used to like 
chain you into this narrow way of thinking about relationships. I know for me, like, the, the, the narrative that I have always challenged is sort of like, you go to the church, like you you get somebody at the church where you go to, or like, you know, nobody ever said where I was supposed to find a wife if I didn't go to the club, but I didn't have an interest in anybody at my church. And so like there was this stigma associated with like online dating and, 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 but, but at the same time, like there's never any expectation for what I was supposed to do in order to be married. And most of the people who are bold enough to outline the expectations are people who already been married, been married for 50,000 years, and just came into this idea of how people partner, like in a way that is unrealistic for 2019. So yeah, I think that um, I just want to challenge people to have this conversation in the Christian community. And like, I think one of the reasons why I think it's really, really, really important to be having this conversation is because like you are outdated in your mindset if you believe that like the youth of today, when I'm talking about youth, I'm talking about high school up, are engaged in this like antiquated way of communicating and building relationships with each other. Like our youth are using online tools, right? Like there are, even if it's just like the way that we use our phone, like adults are connecting and building relationships, whether they be professional or personal, on Instagram and Snapchat and LinkedIn and Facebook. And if, if adults are doing that, then so are youth and they're learning from us. Go to a restaurant tonight, go to Red Robin tonight and look at the nearest family with some tweens and preteens, mom and dad, pretty much everybody's gonna have a phone and they're gonna be using it to do something. And there's kids are doing more on their phones than just playing games. It's not 2008, it's 2019. So how do we, we need to reinvite ourselves to have a conversation about the way that men and women connect, the role, the gender roles that we have prescribed for people, um, and then really what's in God's will um, and how we can teach it effectively so that people don't have to be doing things in secret because we have it validated like the ways that people connect you know what i mean so thank you so much for uh joining this podcast i hope you enjoyed it i want to thank my guest april you're welcome thank you for giving me a platform because we know that i was really excited about this revelation yes she was really <laughs> excited about this revelation i mean as soon as i walked in the door she was like oh my goodness Ruth, Ruth, proposed. Ruth proposed, and then I've been singing um, Kelly Price's He Proposed to Me, but I've been saying She Proposed to Me. Anyway, if you don't know that song, I'm just going to invite you to look it up, but if you, unless you don't want to. Thanks.